Breathing in and now there is uh, sunshine. Breathing out, I smile to the sunshine. Sensei Resekiya Disolei. Respire, respire, respire. Breathing in, I know I am alive. Still alive. Breathing out, I smile to life in me and around me. Respire, respire, respire. Vivant. Encore vivant. Respire, respire, la vie. En moi et autour de moi. Quelle est belle la vie. Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 9th of July 2014, and we are in the still water meditation hall of the upper hamlet, Plum Village, during our summer opening. Today we have uh, a session of questions and answers. And those of us who have a question are invited to come here and sit around time. It's very beautiful from here. The Sangha is beautiful. And we will take turns to sit on that chair so that everyone can see us before we ask the question. And in the tradition, before we ask uh, the question, we listen to the bell. And we practice uh, breathing in and out three times with the sound of the bell, together with the whole community. And we know that a good question can benefit many people. Therefore, we should not ask questions about Buddhism. <coughs> but about our practice, our suffering, our happiness, our difficulties. This is not uh, a, Buddhist, uh, a course of Buddhist studies. This is a retreat of mindfulness for transformation and healing. That is why no question about Buddhism. And uh, that is why you have to ask the question of our heart, a question that has been there for a long time. Now it is uh, the opportunity And we know that a good question does not need to be very long. <laughs> and the children have uh, the opportunity to ask a few questions, three or four. And uh, after that, the teenagers who have the chance to, to ask their questions. And 
young people are encouraged to come and ask their questions. Teenagers and young adults. And then after that, uh, we have uh, the time for for other for others to ask uh, their questions. There are a few already uh, written down, and from time to time we uh, will read one of these uh, questions. We may ask a question for the sake of, an, of a friend. We can even write down a question and ask someone to bring to uh, Brother Faplin. And if uh, you uh, do not speak English or French or German, you have to bring your own uh, translator with you. If you ask a question in Chinese, and then you have to bring a translator. So please, uh, those who have a question, come up here. Children, teenagers, young adults, adults. This is a very happy moment. Let us uh, listen to the first sound of the bell, and uh, after that, the first question. Notice that there is something that does not go well 
with us. So, so you don't need to speak uh, when the other person is very very concentrated. But if the other person is uh, is a little too busy, if the other person has a lot of worry and anger in him or in her, and then he or she cannot know what is going on in us. And uh, we need to, to help him or her to know what is uh, going on in us. We can say, Mother, Father, Brother, do you have one minute? I have something to tell you. Do you have some time for me? And then uh, that may help. That may uh, bring about uh, mindfulness and attention to the other person. And then uh, you have a chance to, to tell him or her. Uh, what is going on in you, and that you need some help. And the same thing is true with the other person. The other person, even if uh, she is an adult, he is an adult, but uh, from time to time they they suffer, they have uh, problems. They have difficulties. And if we are so busy, uh, if we uh, don't have the time, and then we don't know that they suffer. So uh, if we practice uh, mindfulness and concentration, and then we will will be able to see that something is wrong in, in them. So we ask, uh, Mother, Father, is there anything wrong? Can you tell me? And uh, your attention, your concern, uh, your desire to make the other person Stop suffering. Mm. Prove that you have love in yourself, you have compassion in yourself. Mm. So, uh, if we come to problems and practice mindful walking, mindful breathing, and then we can cultivate that kind of attention, mindfulness, and we will be able to. uh, to know what is going on in the people we, we love. And uh, that is uh, the practice of love. Love is to be there, uh, uh, to know what is uh, happening in him or in her, so that you can be there uh, to help him or her to suffer less and to have more trust. Thank you. Good question.
Buddha says that we should have a happy life, that we should be happy in our lives. But what is happiness? What does happiness mean? Happiness uh, is uh, possible. When you are happy, you enjoy. You enjoy the sunshine, you enjoy the trees, you enjoy the fresh air, you enjoy the people around you. And when you are not happy, you cannot enjoy. You see everything in a negative way. You don't appreciate what is there. When you are happy, you, you appreciate your body, your eye, your nose, your ear. And you appreciate the beauty of life that is around, that are around. There's so much beauty around. And in order for happiness to be possible, we know how to remove uh, the obstacles that prevent happiness to happen. And that is uh, anger, jealousy, fear, uh, greed, irritation, and things like that. So happiness is possible. But sometimes, uh, if we don't know how to how to deal with our suffering, like anger, fear, jealousy, and then happiness cannot uh, manifest freely. So, and that is why we, uh, we should learn a way to take care of our anger, of our fear, of our irritation, of our jealousy so that uh, we allow the uh, happiness a chance to, to come. And uh, a happy person can uh, help other people to suffer less and to be happy also. If you are not happy, and then you cannot make another person happy. You have to be happy first. And uh, we have to learn to be happy. Happiness is an art. Happiness is a kind of habit. There are people who have the habit of being happy because they have learned that habit. Uh, for these people, anything can make them happy, like the fresh air, the fresh water, uh, the morning sunshine, uh, the songs of the birds, the presence of uh, friends. Many things can make them happy. And for those who do not know how to be happy, and then they don't appreciate these things at all. So uh, there is uh, the art of happiness. We have to learn to be happy. And together with that, there is the art of suffering. Uh, there is a way to suffer. <coughs> if you know how to suffer, 
suffering very little. And you do not allow suffering to stand on the way so that you can be happy. So when you come to Plum Ridge, uh, we have an opportunity to learn from other people who have uh, already learned and you have got the habit of being happy. Good question, Manasa. Maybe she needs a translator. This is a very difficult question. <laughs> the translation. <coughs> suppose, uh, suppose you see a bird. That bird uh, in the morning, mm, you see uh, the bird, the bird is dead, and uh, you ask uh, whether the bird has a, a soul or a spirit. And you don't know where the bird is going, the, the soul, the spirit of the bird has gone. And when a person, a human being, um, dies, that person does not see, does not think, does not speak anymore. And, uh, you say that this person is dead and you ask uh, where has he has he gone and that question presupposes that uh, there is a body and a spirit that can exist uh, separately 
you know, that the spirit can be uh, without the body. And the body can be without uh, the spirit. But the proof is that uh, the spirit cannot be without the body. And the body cannot be without the spirit. Without the spirit, the body is a dead body. Without the body, the spirit can uh, manifest. This is a little, a little bit difficult, but if we try a little bit hard, we can understand. It's like this sheet of paper. You see that there's the two sides, the left and the right. And you know that the left is not the right. And the right is not the left. And you imagine that you can take the left away from the right. And the right from the left. If you ask a friend to come and take the right and bring it to Bokdo, and another friend to come and take the left to Toulouse, it's not possible. It's impossible. And what we see is that the left and the right, we cannot take them away from each other. So the same thing is true with our spirit and our body. You cannot take the spirit out of the body and the body out of the spirit. Uh, in the Buddhist tradition, they say that uh, the, bar, the, the spirit has not gone anywhere. It just stops uh, manifesting in a way that you can, you can see. Like uh, when you strike uh, a match, uh, the fl- a flame is born. And uh, the flame has not come from anywhere. The flame has not come from the west, the east, the north, or the south. Because uh, conditions are sufficient, that is why the flame manifests, so that you can see. And when you blow uh, out the flame, the flame does not go anywhere. The flame is not gone to the east or the west or the north or the south. Uh, because uh, of the lack of conditions, the flame just uh, stops manifesting. And uh, if uh, conditions are sufficient again, it manifests again. Uh, 
So the fact is that when someone dies, uh, the spirit does not go anywhere. It's just stop manifesting and wait for conditions to be sufficient in order to manifest again. And, uh, and that is true with uh, everything. Uh, not only uh, a human being, but, uh, but a tree or a stone. Uh-huh. When you uh, look at a cloud, And you know that uh, someday the cloud will die. But, uh, but uh, to die means uh, to become nothing. But the cloud can, can never become nothing. A cloud can become the rain or the snow. Mm-hmm. Because uh, conditions are not sufficient, that is why the cloud stops to be a cloud. And become uh, the rain or the snow. So conditions are favorable for the rain and the snow to manifest. So one thing you can be sure of is that when conditions are sufficient, something manifests. And when conditions are no longer sufficient, something stops manifestation and manifests differently. So the so the so the cloud stops manifesting as uh, a cloud and begin to manifest as the rain. So, it looks like there is no death. <laughs> uh, it seems that there is only a, a transformation from one form into another form. And if uh, you practice Buddhist meditation deeply, you find out that uh, that uh, nothing can die. Everything can can change. And, um, but nothing can die. And there is a French uh, scientist whose name is uh, Lavoisier. He said it very clearly. Nothing uh, is born, nothing dies. Two so transform. Everything is uh, changing. So uh, that is one thing that that uh, scientists and uh, medit- practitioners of meditation they agree with each other. 
surrogate of uh, if we look in deeply we see there is no real birth or death there is only transformation and if you uh, keep uh, learning and practicing and then one day you see it very clearly how many questions already enough uh, four already so uh, now time for teenagers. Something you do together with trying to be happy. Hmm. Otherwise, you lose the balance and you cannot help. First of all, we have to ask the question as uh, are we doing our best? Are we doing the best uh, we can? With that kind of insight, there's so much suffering. And personally, uh, am I doing my best not to contribute to the suffering by my way of life? 
the way you consume, the way you move around, uh, the job that you have, uh, all these things. Uh, have you tried uh, to uh, have them in such a way that you can reduce uh, the suffering of animals in your daily life? If uh, the answer is uh, positive, then you have enough happiness to, uh, to begin with and to continue. Make sure that you, you are doing it. And if uh, you are doing it, you have faith, you have enough joy in order to help uh, uh, other people to see and to live uh, the way you do. Your, your life is your message. And uh, you know that in order to achieve uh, something, you need uh, a group of friends who share the same kind of vision, who can share the same way of uh, living. And with uh, such a community, uh, we will succeed. And every uh, great being in our society is known that without the Sangha, they cannot realize the dream, the idea. That is why building a community is a very uh, important job. Alone, you cannot do it. You cannot realize your dream. That is why uh, you should build a Sangha, a community. And that community helps you to, to preserve your vision to preserve your way of life that uh, is uh, harmless to others. Without a Sangha, you cannot uh, continue for a long time. And your efforts, too much effort uh, as a person, may make you tired and you lose your practice. You lose your, um, um, your beautiful, living style. That is why Sangha helps you, help you to continue uh, to hold that vision, to continue that uh, style of living. And then the Sangha helps you to, uh, to, to, to change the world by changing the way people think and see and live. Uh, the answer is uh, Isaiah. There is a written question. Thầy, do you feel old? <laughs> it's uh, difficult to say yes or no because uh, you, you won't understand. Uh, my practice is to see myself uh, 
not only in this body, but to see myself uh, in outside, out of this body. Uh, when I sit with a child, um, I feel very young because I am capable to see that I am also the child. The child is my continuation. In the ten, during the 21-day retreat, uh, we, uh, we meditated uh, a lot on uh, the image of a kernel, kernel of corn and uh, the young uh, plant of corn. We know that uh, the, the corn's talk has come from the kernel of corn. And looking deeply, we see that uh, when the plant of corn is there, you do not see anymore the kernel of corn, but the kernel of corn continues to be. to be present. It is in every cell of the plant of corn. So if uh, we try, if we know how to look um, deeply like that, and then we see us not uh, only inside of the kernel of corn, but also in the plant of corn. Um, during the 21-day retreat, we try to see that we have uh, more than one body. We have eight bodies, and the cosmos is one of our body called a cosmic body. When you look at the star, when you look at uh, the trees, the river, the mountains, you see the cosmos, and it is uh, the ground of your being. So a wave uh, in the ocean has uh, her cosmic, uh, has her ocean body. Her body is a wave, but her body is at the same time the ocean. So if uh, the wave uh, recognize her ocean body, <coughs> she will see things very differently. So if you contemplate the stars, the sun, the moon, the earth, you see your cosmic body. And your cosmic body is quite old and quite young at the same time. So the fact is that I feel, at the same time, very old, much older than 90, and very young, very young at the same time. So my question, my answer is that I feel very, very old, and very, very young.
friends have not heard ably demonstrated, even the little children of the world. And my friends, as many are aware, Israel yesterday mobilized its troops in the wake of escalating violence between the factions of the police and murder of several Israeli and Palestinian leaders. Young men. Our question is how do we most skillfully and directly practice with this kind of conflict in our life, our silence, and our own? Yesterday, the Israeli army mobilized troops to go into Palestine uh, as a result of several violent murders of Israeli and Palestinian youths in the last few weeks. So his question is, how do we practice uh, in the most direct and skillful way in the face of such violence in our communities, in the world, in our sanghas. We should, uh, we should uh, obtain a right view, a right view about the situation. And, and we know that right view is not possible without uh, right mindfulness and concentration. Right view about what? about the situation. <coughs> in a relationship, in any kind of relationship, when you, when you try to make the other person suffer, because you believe that uh, she or he has made you suffer, and you are the only one who suffers. The other, the, the other person does not suffer. He or she just makes you suffer. And that is a view that gives rise to anger and a desire to punish. And that is not right view. Right view is that uh, you suffer, that is the truth. But the other person suffers also. And the suffering in you and the suffering in the other person has the roots, not only in him or in her, but also in you. Uh, both have been unskillful for a long time. And both have not uh, learned the way uh, to desescalate uh, anger and fear. And, uh, and that is why to have the time to look deeply and to get the right view is very important. And right view um, you get more easily when you are able to handle the amount of fear and anger in you. If you are overwhelmed by fear and anger, it's not uh, easy to get the right view. 
So to learn how to calm ourselves. Uh, we have emotions to have directly. And the practice of mindfulness and concentration is the practice of calm. Mm, and uh, when you can calm yourself, uh, right you will calm. And you see that uh, responsible of the situation uh, is uh, our anger, our fear, our wrongdoing of our situation. And if we don't know how to handle the anger, the fear in us and in the other person, in the other group of people, uh, we cannot settle the problem. Uh, many years ago, we uh, implemented, uh, have sponsored uh, Palestinians and Israelis to come and practice with us. Here, in the upper hamlet, in the lower hamlet also. And it's very difficult in the first, uh, in the first few days. The two groups have uh, the two groups have difficult, uh, different uh, kind of views, and they have so much suffering and anger and suspicion in both in both groups. They they suffer when they look at each other. They suffer when they talk to each other. That is why in the beginning we keep uh, them separately. And uh, we happen to practice uh, mindful breathing, mindful walking, <coughs> to help them calm down, to help them get in touch with the wonders of life uh, available in the here and now, so that they can be nourished, they can suffer. And then uh, we help them to recognize the anger, the fear inside. How to embrace them with madness so that we can suffer. And only after that uh, we bring them together and uh, ask them to practice uh, listening to each other. And that is the practice of the fourth uh, madness thing. Uh, compassionate listening and loving speech. Uh, the two groups are sitting there, and many of us were sitting there also, and learn our mindfulness and calm and compassion. We sit and breathe, and then we invite one uh, one group to speak, and uh, we have briefed them before that uh, they have the right to tell everything in their heart. They should be able to tell the suffering they have undergone on their side. They can tell everything. 
But if they try, if uh, it would be better if they they try not to not to condemn, not to blame, not to uh, criticize. Because uh, if uh, they speak in that way, uh, it's very difficult for the other side to to listen. You have the right and the duty to tell the other side of all your suffering, the suffering endured by your children and your adult. Tell them everything, but uh, speak in such a way that uh, you can get the message across that we have suffered. And this is the suffering we have undergone. So you need to use uh, gentle speech. Uh, not uh, blaming, uh, accusing, accusing, blaming, and so on. So that helps the other person to understand. And then we have also brief this group. That why you listen? You have to listen with compassion. Because uh, on the other side, they have suffered also, not only on this side. And if you know how to listen with compassion, you help them support it. You listen with concentration and mindfulness. And that is the practice of uh, compassionate listening that has the power to help people to suffer. So many of us who are not, uh, who are not Israelis and Palestinians, we sit there and lend our energy of mindfulness and compassion. And right in the in the first session, something happens. When you when you listen and do not react, just listen, because the aim of listening. Is not to is not anything except to help um, the other side, the other person to suffer. That is why why you listen, you don't interrupt, you don't correct the other person, even if uh, the other side says things that are not accurate. You tell yourself that uh, my my purpose now is just to listen and help the other person speak out, end it out. That is the purpose. As for mm, the wrong things they say, the wrong perceptions they have, we have time next week. Next week uh, we will choose. Uh, an opportunity to tell to 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 to, uh, to uh, provide them with uh, informations that can help them correct their perceptions. <coughs> not now, not now. So with that in mind, you are calm. You don't interrupt them. You don't correct them. And by that way of uh, listening, you help them to suffer less. And then, the, right in the first session, this group recognized that on the other group, 
They have suffered very much the same way. We have suffered on this side. And the first time you recognize that there are living beings, human beings like you, who have suffered exactly the same kind of suffering. And the first time you see them as uh, human beings, and suddenly compassion is born in your heart. Before that, you thought that they don't suffer. You, only you suffer. And they are making you suffer. You are only the victim. But now you see it differently. You see that they are also victims of their wrong perceptions. And they have suffered very much the same way our children and our adults have suffered. So that kind of uh, notice makes understanding born in your heart and compassion is born. And when compassion is born in your heart, you begin to suffer less. You don't want to punish them anymore. You want to say something to help them suffer less. You want to offer them uh, information that can correct their perceptions. And because compassion is born in your heart, you suffer much less. And you begin to look at them with the eyes of compassion. When you look like that, you don't suffer. And when they see you look at them like that, they don't suffer anymore. And that happened right in the first session of deep listening. We know that uh, now, today we listen, but tomorrow they will listen to us. So we, are not, we know that we are not in a rush. We have the time to talk. That is why we listen with all our heart. And that makes them suffer less. And that makes us uh, understand the suffering. And transformation is taking place. Right in the first... Uh, and we continue like that for a week. And after that, the healing takes place. And both groups uh, begin to share lunch and walk in meditation together. They even hold hands and walk together. And we witness to the transformation and healing every day. And on the last day of the retreat, they come together as one group, not two groups, and reported to us about their transformation and healing. And before, and they always promise that when they go back to the Middle East, they organize retreats, sessions like that for others to come and practice and suffer We have a Sangha there, and uh, our moms and nuns go there every, uh, every year in order to help organize retreats. So in order to not to continue the course of violence, we need to have a right view. Right view is simple. Both of us, both sides suffer. And both sides are responsible, and not just one side. And we need the right view. <coughs> we need uh, a kind of practice that can help us uh, handle our fear, our anger our suspicion, which are the foundation of uh, violence and, and
and suffering. And uh, many of us were not Israelis and uh, Palestinians, but we, our presence did help provide them with our collective energy of mindfulness and compassion. So, um, if we succeed in small scale like that, we can succeed also in a big scale. And uh, big nations can organize uh, something like we have in Germany on a larger scale. Because a peace negotiation uh, should be conducted differently. If uh, you come and you argue, you speak right away, uh, you think that you can get a peace um, uh, um, roadmap uh, for peace, uh, you rely too, too much uh, on your intellect, and you neglect uh, the heart. So I think a good, uh, a good uh, peace negotiation uh, should uh, include some, some preliminary factors. When the two warring parties come, they should be able to, to enjoy a number of days walking quietly, sitting quietly, uh, breathing, uh, calming down, and uh, to have the opportunity to see each other as uh, human beings who have suffered before we begin the negotiation. So peace uh, negotiation should be organized uh, 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 with elements of peace and organizers, those who sponsor the negotiation should have uh, that kind of peace. And, and we can invite many people uh, who have the capacity of being in peace, of having good insight to come and, and support us with their collective insight, not just the concerned parties. So I think that uh, <coughs> if we can succeed in a small small scale, we can use it also on a big scale. Please reflect on it.
way of thinking is uh, is not helpful. At least, uh, first of all, you have to accept your pain, accept the suffering in you. And once you have accepted it, you have more peace. And your capacity of being happy will increase. Your capacity of uh, stopping the course of running. Your, cap- your capacity to, to, to stop uh, longing for something in the future. Your capacity to see that happiness is uh, possible in the here and now help you to stop and to be with whatever is there in order to be truly happy. You say that intellectually you know that the lotus uh, is uh, beautiful, but there is something standing on the way preventing you to get in touch with the lotus. And what is that something? That's the wrong view. That's the inability to stop, to calm, to calm down. We know that uh, a physical pain is uh, has something is connected with uh, our way of thinking, our way, our habit of living our daily life. I think the first thing we should learn is how to how to relax, how to come home to the here and the now. Because the, the energy of habit is very strong in us. The tendency to run and look for something, including happiness, is very strong in us. And that uh, habit energy of running and looking for something may have been transmitted to us by our parents and ancestors. And if we recognize that habit of running, we will be able to stop and relaxation become possible. And when you are relaxed, the pain in, in you will be reduced. The pain is uh, in function of uh, the tension. If you can reduce the tension in your body, you can relax and you can reduce the pain. And uh, to relax, right view. And that right view we have repeated uh, several times. <coughs> that happiness is uh, not in the future, it is right here and right now. And we are doing many things that are not useful, that only take away our energy, that does not allow us to be established in the here and the now. So the practice of uh, mindful walking, mindful breathing, very helpful. 
they, they help you to stop running. They, they, they recognize, we recognize our habit of running. And by walking like that, you can, you can stop and you can touch uh, the, the present moment. But all is one of us. This is the problem of training. I think a few hours of uh, practice can make already a difference. Walk in such a way that you can go home to the here and now with every step. You know you can do it. Do it. Everyone can do it. With our, uh, uh, our, our, our will and our insight. The insight is that uh, life is available only in the present moment. The past is already gone. The future is not yet there. So you go home to the here and the now with every breath, with every step. That is the basic thing. And if you can stop with uh, your steps and your breathing, and then relaxation becomes possible, and the pain reduces, and you begin to touch the wonders of life that can be healing and nourishing. And you can uh, make good use of the collective energy of the group around that there are those of us who are capable of uh, stopping and touching the wonders of life in the here and the now. You walk with us, you breathe with us, and you inherit from, you profit from the collective energy of mindfulness and joy. So you can enjoy your in-breath, you can enjoy your out-breath, you can enjoy your steps. You have your, your right view, you have your um, good view, you can make a step and make sure that peace is possible in the step. When you make a step, you can print the, the you can you can print you can you can mark the ground with uh, the sign of peace. Peace is possible with everything. If you, if you really want to have peace, if you want very much to have peace, and with every step you can bring the sign of peace on the ground. Provided that you really want it. And that's the most important thing. That is the thing you want the most. Peace. Because happiness is not possible without peace. Peace is every breath. Peace is every step. That is your practice. 
challenge yourself and make peace possible with every breath, with every, every breath. You have lungs in good condition. You have the fresh air. You can enjoy breathing in. And peace and joy are possible with one in-breath. Many of us are doing that every day. Peace is every step. Peace is every breath. And if you have peace, you have joy. And that is my practice, my daily practice. When I go to sleep, after having put out the, the light. The first thing I do is to concentrate on my in breath. I don't think anymore. I do not think anymore. I stop my thinking. I just focus my attention on my in breath and out breath. <coughs> and I, my purpose is to find peace and joy in every in every breath until I I go to sleep, I, I, I sink into the sleep. No thinking. And at midnight, if I wake up, I remember to go back to my in-breath and out-breath and do not think and just enjoy my in-breath and out-breath. This is a very, very basic practice. So during the day, you could see walking from from your tent to the meditation hall. Enjoy every, every step. Make sure that every step has peace in it. You have to stop running in order to have peace in every step. And if uh, the practice uh, deepens, you can touch the kingdom of God in every step. Otherwise, you will waste your life. Learn to live your life deeply. And that is uh, the power of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And uh, remember, if, even if you still have uh, pain, sorrow, anger in you, peace is possible, joy is possible also. It's like uh, in the morning you get uh, ten letters. And there, there may be one or two letters uh, that uh, need you to solve, uh, difficult to solve. But there may be other letters that are telling you good things, that has love and... and uh, and so, so the letter of business of uh, difficulties are there. But uh, while you read this letter, you enjoy completely this letter. And when the time comes for you to solve the problem of uh, other letter, you solve it. So you learn both how to generate joy and peace and happiness and how to handle something. And the two things uh, go together. If you know how to do this, 
and then you will know how to do that. And then there are two aspects of the practice. Genetic, generating joy and happiness, uh, managing, handling, suffering. And uh, right, right view includes the vision that uh, suffering has a role to play. If you know how to handle suffering, understanding and compassion and love will be more. And that is the foundation of happiness, understanding of suffering. And uh, compassion that arises from understanding. So it is in the mud that the lotus draw its beauty and fragrance. It is in your suffering that you can draw uh, peace and happiness. Stop uh, thinking in the dualistic way. allows herself to go along with that, with that force, then she finds that she meets the people that she's supposed to meet or finds the situations that she's supposed to, to, to find. Um, and she, uh, her question is, what is this, this force? What is this intuition? Is it... Uh, um, uh, yeah, is it a coincidence, uh, or is it, or is there some meaning 
And does Thai experience this as well? What kind of intuition? What kind of intuition? What is the object of intuition? What do you see? We know that uh, mindfulness is uh, always mindfulness of something. When you are mindful, you are mindful of something. And your mind has an object. And you cannot be mindful of uh, several things at the same time. You are mindful only of one thing. And therefore you are concentrated on it. And then you begin to discover. You begin to discover the very depth, in the very depth of the object of your mindfulness and concentration. Suppose you are concentrated on on a flower. And then the flower becomes the only object of your mind, mind of, concent- of, uh, of mindfulness, mind of concentration. And since you focus only on the flower, you begin to see in depth the nature of the flower. You can discover many things relating to the flower. You can see uh, many things coming together in order to make a flower manifest. You can see the clouds that make the rain. You can see the sunshine that help uh, the flower to grow. You can see the air, the gas. You can see time, space. You can see the beauty. You can see the whole cosmos uh, supporting the flower to manifest. But anything you see is related to the flower because you have mindfulness, concentration and insight. And the flower is the object of your mindfulness, of your concentration, of your insight. That kind of uh, insight about the flower can bring you a lot of happiness, can put you in touch with the wonders of life represented by the flower. And if you want, you can preserve that kind of, uh, of concentration, uh, mindfulness and insight in order to nourish your happiness. And you might touch the nature of no birth and no death and uh, dissipate your fear and so on. So if you are really uh, practicing mindfulness, concentration and insight, and then there is no, uh, no uh, uh, 
this person in your mind. And the intuition that you got is the right intuition. That intuition is about is about the flower. Because you have seen in depth the nature of the flower. Because intuition is always intuition of something. The subject and object. And intuition here must be mindfulness, concentration and insight. The object of intuition is uh, what you see in the flower. You see the flower in depth. You see the cosmos body of the flower. You see the nature of no birth and no death of the flower. But not something outside. If it is a truly mindfulness, concentration inside, and you always remain with that the same object, and nothing else can can can, can penetrate into that. And if your concentration, the object of your mindfulness and concentration and insight is your anger or your fear, so that anger and fear is a kind of flower also. It's become the object of your mind. And as you only focus your attention on your anger or your fear, you begin to explore and see in depth the nature of your anger and your fear. And if you have seen in depth the nature of your anger and your fear, uh, that insight uh, will uh, dissolve the anger and the fear. Because the mindfulness, concentration, and insight always have an object. And if you continue to look into that object, uh, it, will be, uh, it will bring you happiness uh, and liberation. And the same thing is true when you meditate on what we consider to be negative, like uh, our suffering, our pain, our anything. Because uh, mindfulness and concentration and insight help us to understand in depth that affliction and help us liberate from that kind of affliction. affliction. Clear enough? Dear friends, after this, we will have a walking meditation. <laughs> and make sure that every step produces stopping. Be sure that every step has peace in it. And you bring your peace and your joy on the ground. And you can be in touch with the pure land of the Buddha, the kingdom of God. Especially when we know how to profit from the collective energy of the Sangha. Practicing walking in the kingdom of God is quite a joy, it's quite a practice. (coughs) 